It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 18th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk a little bit about Magic's upcoming schedule and why this next stretch of games is vital to the Orlando Magic. Just like that previous stretch that the Magic just finished was vital. And the Magic actually came out okay. Like I said, I think they, they came out 5-6 and six or 6-7 six and seven in, the, in the last stretch. They were 9-9 nine and nine at one point. So they went 5-6 and six over their last 11 games. A he- road-heavy part. Now comes the home-heavy part. And that's very vital and important, too, for this team's nascent playoff hopes, as, as many have pointed out. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Aaron Gordon, a player who has... Not escape criticism, but we haven't talked a lot about him and his season so far this year. There's been a lot of other players we've talked about, and 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 it, I'll talk a little bit about my thoughts on, on where Aaron Gordon is at, at this point in the year uh, as the Magic continue to fight for the playoffs and, and continue to play um, pretty 500 basketball, which, you know, 500 basketball for this team is, is actually pretty good considering where they've been for the last five or six years. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you are looking for. The Orlando Magic next in action Wednesday against the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs getting a very nice win over the Philadelphia 76ers after taking a tough loss to the Chicago Bulls. We'll talk about more about, more about the Spurs tomorrow, but... Uh, um, if you want to learn more about the Spurs and, and hear about what, what they're feeling after their victory, check out Locked On Spurs. My pal Jeff Garcia does a great job covering the Spurs on that podcast. You can also check out the other great podcasts on Locked On Podcast Network. Check out the national perspective on Locked On NBA as well. You can check out all these podcasts we're searching for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Every NBA team is covered uh, by the Locked On Podcast Network. So there's a podcast covering every team in the NBA. There's MLB podcasts, NFL podcasts and college too, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say at this point uh, to to wish a very happy congratulations. Uh, do you say happy congratulations? I, I, I'm offering my congratulations to Locked On Celtics host John Corrales, the new beat writer over at Mass Live. Um, you know, I've known John for a few years now, worked on worked with him on several projects out uh, besides the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, known about him longer than that. He is, I would consider, one of the godfathers of NBA blogging over at Red's Army, and I'm so ecstatic to hear um, that he has turned it into a full-time gig, uh, certainly living the dream. So congratulations, John, uh, from from us here at Locked on Magic, from me, Philip Rossenreich, and of course, uh, at Orlando Magic Daily. We'll, 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 we'll say hi when, when the Magic play the Celtics once again in the playoffs, maybe. That would be fun. But let's start today with a look at the Magic's upcoming schedule. You know, I, I think that I, I mentioned yesterday on the show or talked about yesterday on the show about how the season has certain inflection points and certain stretches of the schedule where you really learn a lot about a team. Um, and, and I always point first and foremost to the first road trip 
Usually first week of December, the Magic go out to the West Coast for the first time. And I say that's a moment where the season is either made or broken, where you learn a lot about the team. And, and, and this stretch became a lot more difficult with 17 days on the road over the last 23. 17 of the past 23 days, um, 24 days now, I guess. But 17 of 23 days uh, from, the, from Thanksgiving to, to Saturday were on the road. Very difficult stretch for the Magic. And, um, you know, we, we saw and learned a lot about this team. But as I mentioned yesterday, we, we, we don't maybe have enough to draw any firm conclusions. This is a team in many ways still seeking its identity and still seeking to find its consistent formula for winning. I mean, I think they know the formula for winning, but they're not quite executing it every night or executing it consistently. There, there were plenty of blown leads, plenty of nice wins. Um, but ultimately, the Magic were kind of left exactly where they started. They were 9-9 nine and nine when they started that trek. That trek, they're now, you know, they went 5-6, and six, so they're now 14-15. Which, all things considered, with that road heavy of a schedule, you have to feel pretty good about. But really, maybe we narrowed the focus too much. Because if you bring the microscope back out and look at the schedule, and this is something that we knew even back in August and September when the schedule first came out, we knew that this stretch was going to matter. That really from Thanksgiving until January 9th was the real meat of the Magic schedule. If the Magic could come out on January 10th in playoff position, right where they want to be, then yeah, they might be in it for the long haul. Because following that long road trip, that road stretch, which again included two home games in Mexico City, the Magic had their long West Coast trip, they had their Mexico City trip, they have their Christmas homestand, and then they have their second West Coast trip that begins December 31st and goes to January 9th. Their longest road trip of the season. At least continuous road trip of the season. And so it is this next middle stretch that we need to focus on because the road stretches are tough. And the Magic have been good on the road. About 500 team on the road. They're 8-8 they're eight eight at home. 6-8 um, at the Amway Center. 2-0 and oh in Mexico City. Leaving them, uh, what, 6-7. Six 6-7 and seven. Six and seven on the road. Which, again, for, for middling playoff team is a really good road record. The Magic have been good on the road. But you can't rely on that. You're not going to finish over 500 on the road, most likely. And so the Magic's disappointing record at the Amway Center, 6-8. and eight. If you look at the standings, they'll say 8-8. Eight and eight. That's including the wins, wins in Mexico City. 6-8 and eight at the Amway Center. The Magic have to find a way to bank up some home games, some home wins. Some of the Magic's worst losses this year to the Clippers, to the Hornets, to the Pacers, all came at home in the friendly confines of the Amway Center. And Steve Clifford said it best at practice today, if the Magic want to become the team they want to be, they're going to have to defend the Amway Center floor. They're going to have to give the fans a reason to show up and support, which they largely have to this point, but haven't delivered quite as much on the home floor. This next stretch, five of the next six at home, are vital. This next six games are as vital as the previous eight or nine or whatever they are. In that 
This isn't about keeping your head above water anymore. Those road trips, you want to keep your head above water. And, and if, if that's the goal, the Magic have certainly accomplished that in that in that last road stretch. This is about gaining ground now. The Magic cannot drop the ball here. Because they're playing some teams they should beat. It starts Wednesday against the San Antonio Spurs. And the San Antonio Spurs are the Spurs. They're very good teams still. They're in the Western Conference playoff hunt. They're above 500, if I'm not mistaken. I'm double-checking that right now. San Antonio sitting at 16 and 15, above 500, very much in the playoff race, but of course, not quite the same Spurs team. In fact, it's the Spurs team the Magic blew out in San Antonio back in November. Playing better wouldn't be a bad loss, but would be a very good, would, would be still a good win. But the rest of this home schedule, or the, the meat of this home schedule, are games that the Magic should feel like they can win. Friday, they'll go to Chicago, the only road game in this stretch. Sunday, December 23rd, they play home to the Miami Heat, a game that is doubly important because A, the Heat are breathing down the Magic's neck, only a game behind them in the standings. So that's a six-pointer in soccer parlance. But also important because if the Magic do win that game, they win the season series. And as plenty of people on Twitter like to point out, those things tend to matter in April. Gives the magic. It's not just then a six-pointer. It's an eight-pointer. because Or a nine-pointer even. Because if the Magic beat Miami on December 23rd, they theoretically go up three games on the Heat. Not just two. Because then the Heat have to pass the Magic in order to beat him in the tiebreaker. This stuff is important if we want to talk playoffs. Then December 26th, the day after Christmas, the Magic take on the Phoenix Suns. Playing better now on a three-game win streak, but one of the worst teams in the league by record. They close out the homestand December 28th against the Raptors. Very tough game, but Magic took them to the wire in Orlando, needing a buzzer beater from Danny Green to beat them. And then December 30th against the Detroit Pistons, a team that the Magic are competing with for a playoff seating at this point. Still early maybe to say that, but again, you want to beat your equals. The Magic to this point have a very strong record against teams that are below 500. Nine and two, if I'm not mistaken. So they're taking care of business against bad teams, against the quote-unquote bad teams or the the record-wise bad teams. And that's a good sign. You got to do that. Got to beat the equals too. Your Miamis, your Detroits. Yes, you're San Antonio, so I'm going to say it. The Magic are equal to San Antonio, at least by record. These are the games you have to win. And this homestand, five of the next six at home, leading into New Year's Eve, this homestand is vital to Orlando gaining ground and gaining some cushion for the tough road trip ahead because this road trip coming up for the Orlando Magic starting New Year's Eve is a doozy. One of the, uh, Honestly, one of the weirdest and toughest road trips that I've seen. I'm not going to go into detail with every team, but it starts December 31st at Charlotte, January 2nd at Chicago, January 4th at Minnesota, then out west, January 6th at the LA Clippers, the 7th at Sacramento, and then the 9th at Utah to play the Jazz. Again, if the Magic come out January 10th, 
still in playoff position, I think we can officially say this team is in it for the long haul. I know there's still some skepticism out there about the Magic's ability to stay in this playoff race. I share some of it. I think that there's still a lot of inconsistency that needs to be worked out, and and I haven't seen everything I need to see. But I do think it is fair to hold this team to that standard. They've shown that they have playoff potential, in my opinion. Steve Clifford's been believing been believing it and preaching it, and I and honestly, I think trying to get the media to hold them to that standard too. And so I'm 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 in on saying this is a playoff that this can be a playoff team. Certainly they have earned that right to be criticized and analyzed that way. And so January and so the schedule from now until January 10th, January 9th, is really where we're gonna find out if this is for real. We'll, hit, we'll be close to the midway point of the season at that point. So, so we will know if this is for real at that point. And I think faltering now at this stretch, this next six games, the Magic, Magic have to go 4-2 and two, if not 5-1 and one in the next six games. I'll, I will say that right here, right now. Next six games, got to get four or five wins. Can't falter. Can't just keep your head above water at 3-3. Three and three. Because that next stretch is coming and it's going to be tough. And there isn't much time to recover with Boston and Houston waiting for you at home. So you better be ready to play. You better be ready to play. And the Magic are going to need to be. They need to play their best if they want to keep this playoff train going. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And one player that I think a lot of Magic fans would say has to be part of that equation, has to be more involved in getting the team to that point is the guy they signed to the big contract this summer. I've heard from a lot of people or seen a lot of comments regarding Aaron Gordon this year. And trying and and in some respects people asking what's wrong with Aaron Gordon? Or why isn't Aaron Gordon doing more? And yes, I have seen the comment, the old trope which I think so many of us despise that that know these players and follow these players. The Aaron Gordon's not worth the contract. He's getting paid more to do more or to score more, more specifically. I've talked about it a little bit. I've I've tried to be fair and honest with Aaron Gordon, but I would if if you're looking for Aaron Gordon to be the 20 point per game scorer and I was probably one who said the Magic's success is dependent on Aaron Gordon taking the leap into stardom. I'm probably the one, I'm probably, I would say I would definitely believe that if the Magic were going to take the kind of leap that they've taken this year, honestly, it would have been Aaron Gordon that took that leap, that became the, 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 
the shade that we've seen shades of his stardom, but that he would be the one leading the charge. It's been a surprise that it hasn't been him. This year, Aaron Gordon's numbers, his raw numbers at least, are down across the board. Last year, he averaged 17.6 points per game and 7.9 rebounds per game. He's down to 15.7 points per game and 7.2 rebounds per game. It's in line, but certainly down. His few goal attempts are down from 14.9 last year to 13.3 this year. His usage rate, essentially the amount of possessions that end with him holding the ball, is down from 24.7% to 22.2%. Aaron Gordon is not the focal point of this offense. In fact, he's had only, I think, eight games scoring 20 or more points so far this year. He's had six scoring 10 or fewer. Gordon's sweet spot's been, you know, in the teens scoring-wise. And while he certainly has the potential to be a better scorer, he's probably been one of the Magic's more consistent offensive scorers this year. But not in a flashy way. And so if you're looking at these raw numbers and saying, you know, I expected more from Aaron Gordon or Aaron Gordon needs to be doing more, you're not completely wrong. I think that, yeah, Aaron Gordon could be doing more and maybe should be doing more. But it's really the transformation of his game this year that is really intriguing, that's added a new dimension to his game, and that, yes, is part of a longer-term growth. If you listen to the show last year, toward the end of the season especially, you heard a lot of people griping about Aaron Gordon. His scoring was way up. His his raw numbers were way up. He was attacking more and seemed much more sort of comfortable in his own skin as a scorer. But those raw numbers hid a different tale. Last year, especially toward the end of the season, Gordon became maybe a bit too confident in himself. He was a bit more ball-dominant, trying to drive and attack. I, I often describe it, describe Gordon as trying to be the star. You know, when most people think of the star player. Maybe they think of Kobe or, or MJ or, or Allen Iverson. And it's not that those players are bad or their style of play was bad, but they were ball stoppers. They were, in, at times, certainly, they were inefficient shooters who took over games by sheer force of will. And those are exceptional examples. They could do it and their teams could still win. McGrady was like that when he was in Orlando. Aaron Gordon was playing like them, but that's not who he was. That's not who he is as a player. What Gordon really is 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 a super versatile wing who can hit an outside shot, who attacks well when he makes quick decisions, but doesn't sit well when he dribbles the ball too much when he's just kind of dribbling in pace looking to probe. That's not his game, or that shouldn't be his game. And that's been one of the big things that's changed about Aaron Gordon. After an early season dalliance with the style of play, the amount of isolation dribbles, size-up moves that we've seen from Aaron Gordon have gone dramatically down. And what's both 
What's different and extremely encouraging about Gordon's play is that those instances have gone down. He's not playing wholly that style. It still pops up on occasion. He takes a bad shot or he tries to force things and tries to do a little bit too much. He's, he's an eager player. He wants to help the team win. What's, what's really changed about Aaron Gordon and what's so quietly exciting because, yeah, you don't see the raw numbers. He hasn't had the big scoring outburst. He had a strong first quarter against the New York Knicks at home. 20 points, I think, in that first quarter. And the magic blew him out. It was, it was over. He had, I think, 29. Game was done. Or 32, I think. Something like that. And that was all the magic needed. Blew him out in the first quarter. It was over. What's quietly really exciting about what Gordon is doing so far this year is the increased efficiency and the potential playmaking that he has displayed. The raw numbers really bear this out. Gordon is shooting 45.8% from the floor. So despite taking 13.3 shots, he's nearly got a career-high field goal percentage. He's shooting 38% from beyond the arc. In fact, four and a half three-point attempts per game feels like a little bit more than it should be. He's still settling sometimes for his three-pointer, but he's making them more consistently. He's a much more consistent option. His 52.2% effective field goal percentage so far this year would mark a career high. On top of all this, he's averaging a career-high three assists per game. But I want to note how he's getting those assists. NBA.com tracks uh, tracks drives. Essentially, when one when the, the way the computer, the player tracking system is set up, when a player goes from 20 feet from the basket, or at least 20 feet from the basket to 10 feet to the basket, counts as a drive. And Gordon's drives are much better this year. Last year, Gordon averaged 5.2 drives per game, according to Second Spectrum, which does the player tracking for the NBA. He shot 37.9% from the floor on these plays, scored 2.8 points per game, and dished out 0.3 assists per game. This year, still at 5.2 drives per game, but shooting 46.8% from the floor on these drives, scoring three points per game, dishing out 0.4 assists per game. Small changes that do have a big impact. Because you take that in addition to his pull-up field goal shooting, you see that efficiency change again. Last year, Gordon averaged 4.4 pull-up field goal attempts per game, shot 34.1% effective field goal percentage. Not very good. This year, only shooting 3.8 pull-up field goal attempts per game, with a 45.7% effective field goal percentage. Really, the big difference for Aaron Gordon still, the, the big thing that he needs to do to unlock his, his, his offensive potential is to be better catch-and-shoot shooter. He's still shooting about 37% on catch-and-shoot opportunities. But undoubtedly, you can see just from these basic numbers that Gordon's efficiency has gone up. That he is playing, as Frank Vogel liked to put it last year, within the flow of the offense. He's making plays. He's making an impact. But he's not disrupting that rhythm or disrupting anything. He's being a better playmaker. He's getting others involved. He's attacking the rim effectively and efficiently. He's playing very smooth basketball. So smooth that sometimes you don't notice how well he's playing. And so, yes, 
Gordon hasn't had the big, outstanding, standout game yet. He hasn't dominated a game. He hasn't scored 40 points or anything like that. Not yet. That stretch may be coming. Those games may be coming. We know he has it in him. But he's doing a lot of different things for the Magic that they absolutely need. He's been consistent, number one. You can count on him for those 15 points per game. You can count on him for relatively effective shooting. His defense, which I've not mentioned here, is getting slowly back to the levels that he had early on in his career when defense was his primary focus. He's been much better on that end. Already, you know, with a plus one defensive box, plus minus, providing a ton of value for the team there. It's his first time with a positive plus minus since his sophomore year, since his second year. Already got 1.0 defensive win shares. He had 2.0 defensive win shares last year. So his defensive game is already increasing. Sure, Gordon could still stand to do a little bit better. His spot-up shooting could still improve. Sometimes he still does try to force things. Not looking for his own offense, necessarily. But trying to get things moving, he will force things. And that was part of why he committed six turnovers against the Jazz. So he still has those games. He still has those youthful dalliances, or those youthful... uh, He still is a young player learning how to play and learning how to win uh, on a big stage. That's still a part of who he is. And, you know, last year, I, I, I described the way Gordon played as him trying to figure out how to be a star. And, he, and, and his forays to the rim is heavy isolation play. I chalked up to he needed to figure out if he could do that. He needed to try it out and learn that he couldn't do it and, and test the limits of his game. This year, he's kind of swung the other way. Where he's trying, maybe sometimes maybe a little too hard to get others involved, to keep the energy up. And it sometimes hurts him. So maybe sometimes he does need to be a little selfish. He's going to find that balance. I'm, I'm confident of that. It's hard to remember that he is still an incredibly young player. This year, though, this year so far at least, he's shown that he can grow his game, that he can continue to expand his game. That he can reach a, a pretty solid level of consistency. It may not be the all-star level we all imagined. Maybe not yet, at least. But it's certainly something that the Magic have relied on and trusted throughout this season. And for sure, whether you think that Gordon is not playing to standards or not, or he is playing to standards, the Magic are where they are at because of what Aaron Gordon's provided so far. And certainly, he still has a lot of room to continue growing. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked On Magic and subscribe to the podcast on 
on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr_omd, And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. As part of the 30th anniversary, uh, Fansided actually posted a video tracing the history of the Orlando Magic logo. I'll be posting that again on orlandomagicdaily.com, but you can check that out as well on our website, orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. We'll be back tomorrow with a preview of the Orlando Magic's game against the San Antonio Spurs. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.